that duct tape? Aye, aye, aye. Hey, don't worry, man, let him fall out. Walk by faith, not by sight. Hmm? You look at that, we can't land now. Why? Why can't we land? I got the bulls on the grind. Oh, bulls on the grind? Hey, the bulls on the grind, the cattle down Ooh. there. Cows? Yeah, I'll get no beef right there. Yeah, get no beef. Ah, come on in. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, yes, it is now time for part two of the top 50 albums of 2003 Countdown. By the way, I always try to make my show intros not too terribly long, so thank you for indulging me when I toss in these timestamps during the countdowns and the odds and ends and stuff like that. It's fun for me, and out of all the good films that came out in 2003, and I liked uh, quite a few of them, more on that maybe in part five, but I think out of all the movies that came out in 2003, that's got to be my favorite line of the entire year. And it's all about the delivery, of course. You and Brenner and Rundown as the crazy pilot that's trying to land on that jungle airstrip because there's bulls on the ground. So he's like, there's bulls on the ground. Yeah, that never fails to break me up. So there you have it. In case you were curious as to what the hell that was, that was the Rundown starring The Rock and bunch of other cool people you should go check it out it, you can watch it on peacock i did the other night and that was the other thing that inspired this intro right here so there you have it but yes let's get to the music on this music show coming in at number 40 here on the countdown and i gotta say this entire episode this block of albums numbered 40 through 31 i moved these around a lot before i really came to the final order of today so take this ranking between 40 and 31 with a grain of salt they really could go anywhere for my opinion and probably for yours too 
So while I try to make a proper ranking of everything, point-wise, quality-wise, re-listenability for me here with these records, they all are pretty much tied. So I'm going to attempt to put them in some sort of order here for you today. So let's kick off the show here. Number 40 belongs to a guy who I feel was fighting an uphill battle in 2003 because this guy did really well with his first album. And I'm going to reference another band later on on this countdown in this exact same way, the kind of journey that they had with their going from their first album into their second album. And that is Andrew W.K., So in 2003, Andrew put out his sophomore major release called The Wolf. And I got to say, it is a straight up sequel to that first album. If you enjoyed that first album, I Get Wet, like I did, then if you missed out on The Wolf, then shame on you because it is a straight up really good quality sequel in terms of song quality, lyrics, production, performance, it's all there. And it does not fail by really any stretch of the imagination if you like the first album. I just realized, talking about the production here, I see Scott Humphrey's name as a co-producer on this album. That explains a lot. Scott produced a lot of the Rob Zombie albums early on in the 90s. He did a personal favorite of mine, Generation Swine by Motley Crue. So he makes good sounding records. And Andrew's still riding high here. So I don't know anybody that really talks about this record or even when it was out, nobody was really talking about it. But I liked it when it came out and I still like it. So... It deserves to be listened to, so check this one out as a representative for The Wolf here. My favorite song pretty much ever since it came out. This has been my favorite song on the record. So we're going to kick off the show today with what else? The song. Here's Andrew W.K.
Kicking off the show here today and coming in at number 40 here on our top 50 albums, the 2003 countdown. That was Andrew W.K. from his second album called The Wolf. And that song was called The Song. There you have it. So the uphill battle that I mentioned, I didn't actually quite expound upon that prior to playing the song. But I feel like these early 2000s rock revival type acts in an Andrew W.K. and The Darkness is another good example of this where they seem to almost be critical darlings upon their arrival. And then after a while, whenever the journalists and the hipsters that they had a little bit of crossover success with, once they figured out that those people weren't being ironic, that they were actually real fans of this type of music and were creating new rock music, they all definitely turned their backs on those bands. And I think that was massively unfair. And it just proved how fickle certain, quote, music fans can be. But for real rock and roll fans, I feel like most of them do like Andrew W.K. and the Darkness and things like that. And if you don't, that's fine, too. But, like, people that were liking them for what I feel to be the wrong reasons was, like, pretty shitty. So, But the one interesting note about The Wolf is the fact that just because of the buzz he had off of his first album the album actually peaked in a higher position on the album charts than I Get Wet did. Even though I Get Wet is like the big record for him, supposedly, it definitely sold a lot more. But weirdly enough, the peak chart position is not the same. It's less than The Wolf, like by about 20, I think. It's something like that. It's it's a considerable amount. But then again, 2001 and 2003, you still have a decline of physical media sales as 2001 and on happened. So I guess maybe it evens out if there's a way to adjust for chart inflation and sales. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. Don't feel too bad for Andrew because I did find out, and I'd read about this two years ago, but I knew he was engaged to this particular person as of a couple of years ago, but apparently over around the Thanksgiving holidays, Andrew himself got hitched for the second time in his life. Uh, He is now married to Kat Dennings. So there you go. If you didn't know that, now you know. Moving on here to number 39. Uh, Here's a band purely just the fact that I got my hands on a promo copy of this when I was managing the CD warehouse in 2003. And I put it on. I was like, this is a good record. I really like this. And I listened to it a bunch of times in 2003. And I'd never heard of this band before. They were on their second record at this point in 2003. The band is called the Cooper Temple Claws. It says they're from Wokingham, Berkshire, England. So there you have it. And yes, I am shouting out to you, Sir Chris Riley. (laughs) I have no clue where that is, but he's always very kind to reach out to me. And is like, it's X amount of hours for me. So yeah, all right. And shout out to you, sir. Hope you had a great new year and a great holiday season and all that stuff. So yes. Okay, getting back to... These Brits here, the Cooper Temple Claws, on their second record right here. And the album is called Kick Up the Fire and Let the Flames Break Loose. And just looking over their album titles and their discography, I like that they almost sound like these like new age type self-help books. <laughs> this is the album titles. So the first album's called See This Through and Leave. And then their last one was called Make This Your Own. And this one right here, you got Kick Up the Fire and Let the Flames Break Loose. So that's the immediate thing that I thought of. It's like, these sound like self-help book titles. But I will say, cool record right here. And kind of the definition of what they call the slow burn. 
these songs build up into something and it's like a brick by brick type thing but i really dig it if you're down for something like this and this is a high quality record i don't really know how to describe them alternative music probably shoegaze i I don't know but i really really dig this record so let's just let the music try to describe them because i'm failing at this apparently so here is the cooper temple clause and this song right here called music box
Ah, yes, there you have it. I think I might have undersold the drop on that one, but man, the crescendo on that is tremendous. And I love using a music theory term that I actually know when I get the chance. So thank you for indulging me. This obviously is not a wine and cheese music podcast or anything. This is an NPR. But when I could say a word like crescendo, that seems to be the only proper word to describe that song right there. And that's a killer song if I do say so. I didn't write it, but on behalf of the Cooper Temple Clause, oof, that's badass stuff. Okay. Yes, that was Cooper Temple Claws with Music Box from their sophomore album, Kick Up the Fire and Let the Flames Break Loose. Hope you enjoyed that. And I was talking about the hipsters earlier in this episode, speaking of wine and cheese and NPR and all that stuff. (laughs) But I've played this band a handful of times on the show before, and I refer to them as my hipster friends because this is a band that I'm a fan of that seems to be like if, if you are some type of hipster, you do like this band, but... This band's not nearly popular enough to justify that, so I think we should just out and out adopt them permanently. Because they're still kicking around, even though they are overdue for a new record. So here's hoping in 2024. But yes, this band right here, the Ravenettes, towards the end of the summer in 2003, they put out their first full-length studio album called Chang Gang of Love, and it comes in here at number 38 on the countdown. I'm surprised it's that low, even for me, <laughs> like, because I remember listening to this record a lot, and I still love this record a lot, so that just goes to show you, we have jumped a high level here on the countdown already, but yes, this uh, killer duo right here from Denmark, putting out this really great throwback garage rock revival type record, so uh, if you're a fan of pure rock music, what's not to love about this record, go pick it up. Chang Gang of Love by the Ravenettes. It even has that cool looking like exploitation motorcycle movie poster from like the the 50s or 60s or whatever. And I love the bit ever since I got a promo of their first EP, Whip It On, which I played last year on the show. Ever since I got that first promo and I noticed that they said, and they it was truth in advertising, right on the front of that record, it was like recorded in the key of B flat minor. And as a band nerd from back in the day, I appreciate those kind of things. So for this record right here, their first full-length album, Chain Gang of Love, they advertised on the cover, recorded entirely in the key of B-flat major. So whereas the first album definitely had a darker feel to it, this one has a more bright, classic, open feel to it, like very reminiscent of old rock and roll in the best possible way. So... They're two different journeys, and I dig that. And that's another thing that makes this band really interesting and another thing that really makes me like them. Just based on those first two releases, I kind of am a fan for life for these guys. So here you go, my favorite song still to this day. As I mentioned before, I'm playing a lot of these like, these were my favorite songs 20 years ago, and they're my favorite songs now from this record. So I'm glad they're still holding those titles here for me personally. So from Chang Gang of Love, this is the Ravenettes with Heartbreak Stroll. Here you go. Yeah. 
right there throwing it down with the heartbreak stroll from chain gang of love their first full length in 2003 coming in at number 38 here on the countdown and that means we're up to album number 37 and i'm glad that it's 37 because this band also has a question mark at the end of their name and that would be therapy yeah so i don't know if therapy has actually darkened any of my countdowns here but they definitely justified their positioning here in 2003. And I'm going to have to go reassess just based on the strength of this album right here. Randomly, this is their seventh full length that came out here in 2003. The album is called High Anxiety. And this thing really grabbed me here listening to it just one day out of the blue. I was like, wow. And I definitely had to listen to this in a different way in the sense of I don't have a physical copy of it. I never got a promo of it back in the day. And... It's not on Spotify, at least as of this recording. If you want to listen to it and you don't have it immediately in your hands, then you got to go on YouTube. And it's a pain in the ass when I got to go listen to full-length albums on YouTube, by the way, because you have to make sure that this is the full record. And then I got to make sure that the track listing is in the right order as far as how it plays on YouTube. So listening to music on YouTube, for me personally, is a pain in the ass. So yeah, all that being said... Really, I had an enjoyable listen for this record, even with all those obstacles in front of me. But yes, what a world we live in anyway, right? It's great. So even with all that, just a really cool listen here. I recommend this. And I saw, I was like, oh, why Why is it not anywhere? Why does it have to be on YouTube? And I saw it was on Spitfire Records. I know there's a lot of licensing issues with Spitfire on the streamers and everything, and I get it. But let's just take the time here to say, bless those labels. Labels like Spitfire and Sanctuary in the early 2000s, definitely a saving grace for fans of hard rock music and heavy metal music and classic artists and stuff like that. But even then, like, Therapy is kind of more of a 90s alternative-based type band, so I wouldn't have expected to see them on a label like Spitfire. So yeah, I said all that to say I recommend this record. It's basically one of those like debut type entries. I don't have any nostalgia for this record, but I think it's awesome and you should definitely check it out. So here's a song to hopefully get you further enticed right here. This is Therapy with Stand in Line. Enjoy.
Okay, some super enjoyable stuff right there from Therapy. The album was called High Anxiety. That was Stand in Line, a real standout song from that record. And I hope you go check them out. Find it where you can. So coming up next here, it was definitely around this time that I first started to hear the buzz about this band in America. And they're on their third record right here in 2003. The band is called Muse. And it's their third album here called Absolution. And it probably took me another two or three years to really listen to this record, if I have it right. And I may have told this story on the show before, but it bears repeating. I remember specifically in my first year of being a serious subscriber and hearing a really great guest DJ hour by Scott Ian. And I remember like he just played some of the best songs of all time. And it was just like really cool, like, hey, we have the same kind of taste. Like it was just song after song that, that just ruled. And this was the lone new entry to me where I hadn't listened to them yet. And the fact that he was putting over Muse as a good band, he was like, Charlie turned me on to this band. And he told me, if you're like me and Radiohead has lost you, then get with this band because it's kind of like Radiohead, especially like vocal wise, but it's very heavy. So it's like a metal version of them. So I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And he played this song that I'm about to play for you specifically right here. And I was like, you know, I'm going to give this band a shot. So this was my gateway in was weirdly enough through Scott Ian. That's like right up there. Speaking of other serious connections, that's like right up there with Drew Carey breaking bands for me. And he still does. But yeah, back to Muse here on the Absolution record. And I'm going to go with an obvious song if you know anything about this record. But if you don't, Maybe you'll hopefully have the same journey that I did with this. And this may be your gateway into Muse. Who knows? But to represent this album, Absolution, this is Stockholm Syndrome.
Okay, Muse right there with Stockholm Syndrome from their album Absolution. Number 36 here on our album's countdown. And coming in at number 35, possibly, and I don't have this whole bit of info in front of me, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say the greatest band to ever come out of Manchester, England right here, coming up at number 35. Still going strong. Sounds like a cliche. Still going strong in 2003. Still putting out really viable high-energy music. Some of the best music you'll ever hear is by this band. The band is called the Buzzcocks. And much has been said about how great of a lyricist Pete Shelley of the Buzzcocks was. But And I'm guilty of doing this too. Let's give some freaking praise to Steve Diggle right here because also such a great lyricist and being the other vocalist in the band and stuff like that. Steve does not get his due, probably because he didn't have as much of a notable solo career like Pete Shelley did later on. But, dude, those guys together, just magic. And I bring that up because Steve actually solely writes the song I'm going to use to represent this record. And it's surprising to me that more people don't know this song, even in the circle of fans that they supposedly have. So we're into, like, 25 years, basically, after their debut. And still putting out this kind of quality stuff is baffling and awesome to me. So I could see why at this point in their career they were like, well, let's let's just self-title the album. Even though it's our seventh record, let's just call it The Buzzcocks. And that's what this album is called. So not much else to say. You just, if you're not into The Buzzcocks at this point, then you haven't been listening to the show very long. Or you just haven't had the right breaks in your algorithm. But let's cure that right now with a killer track here from the self-titled Buzzcocks record in 2003. This is Sick City Sometimes. In your 
great legendary buzzcocks right there with six city sometimes you have to be careful that's hard to say 10 times fast but that was from their self-titled debut album their seventh album that came out in 2003 how could you not have enjoyed that i don't even hope you enjoyed that i know you enjoyed that because damn that thing rules okay coming in at number 34 right here some more punk rock music for you but over here from the states Band from Los Angeles, actually, and in 2003, they're on their third, and as of this recording, their final record still, although they did get back together a few years ago, so here's hoping for a full-length release at some point, so crossing fingers for 2024 with this band, but yes, The Distillers, with a very strong album here, Coral Fang, in 2003. What is it about these ladies, uh, the ones that sing like Kim Shattuck? It just has this very appealing nature to it. And it's like one of those things you just can't describe, like Brian Johnson or Lemmy. It's just an appealing sound. It's not even remotely technically great at all, but it totally fits in the punk rock realm. But also it it just suits the music perfectly. It's just nothing you can put your finger on, and but that's great art right there. So yes, Brody course coming from that school of the kim shattuck vocal approach and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying she ripped her off or anything that's just how she sings <laughs> and i know that that's the case for a handful of the ladies that sing this way so and i guess i definitely have a bias towards that approach but yes of course musically they also got it going on i saw them live around this time for a power trio they really sound like a full powerful live band so at some point i look forward to seeing them again i'm definitely overdue as they are to put out a new record and yeah, not much else to say besides going into uh, personal tabloid headlines here. So let's just get it to the music. Real killer tune right here from Coral Fang. This is Dismantle Me. Turn it up. I fancy you, but I've been
distillers right there with Dismantle Me from Coral Fang. Like I said before, still to this date, their last studio album. I will say Tony and Brody from the band right there, both guitar players, they'll be back probably in a few years on this countdown when the Spinneret album comes out in this timeline. So yeah, looking forward to that. Next up here, coming in at number 33, is a band that has made it on a couple of these countdowns. I know for sure their first album and their 10th album have both made it officially onto my countdowns here throughout the years. And that's another band from England called The Coral. Not so much Rockarola type band, definitely more throwback British Invasion psychedelic 60s kind of vibe. And they always put out records that sound like that. But I really dig it. They are a true throwback. You can tell they just use old instruments and old boards. And they've got a great vintage sound. So yeah, I'm always down for some choral. So if you're anybody out there, if anybody's actually checked this band out independently, let me know. And let me know if it's because of this show. I'm very curious, actually. But in 2003, they put out their sophomore release called Magic and Medicine. And I do recall we were kind of getting these records in America pretty late after the fact. Uh, of their UK release and over here. The the one positive thing about that though is I remember specifically because they were on Sony and I know they got dropped pretty quickly from Sony after a while, but I do remember for the US release of this CD Magic and Medicine, it was actually like a two discs for the price of one kind of thing where they threw on their next album, their third album from 04, Night Freak and the Sons of Becker actually came with Magic and Medicine. So the label didn't even treat it like a f- full release. They just kind of put it in there as supplemental material and didn't even mention that it was part of it, like on the sticker or anything. I don't believe they even acknowledged it at all. But as a fan, I was like super jazzed, like, oh, wow, two full records <laughs> in one thing for the price of one. So I was all about it. Uh, but more on that bonus album, perhaps next year. Back to Magic and Medicine, their second album. Much like the first album, and I will say it's, uh, as much as I love the first album, I think it's an improvement upon the first record. So kind of one of those weird things where I think the sophomore record might be just a little bit better. I'm not quite sure how it did on whatever ranking it was from this one versus the one from 2001 that I did, but I guess I'll have to, I need to crunch those numbers before I do these shows again. I'll I'll really try. If you're out there listening, you listen to old episodes, uh, keep track. (laughs) I'd love that. No, but seriously, getting back to this record right here, let's play uh, what's always been my favorite song off the record on an album full of favorites. This one's a standout. And I come to find out, apparently this was the launch single as well. So I guess I have a little bit of an A&R guy in me. But here's a song right here from Magic of Medicine. The song is called Don't Think You're the First. Don't think you're the first In the whole To be caught in the act, numbered and racked 
there with Don't Think You're the First from their sophomore album Magic and Medicine from 2003. And coming in at number 32 here tonight is this band right here, a shared favorite of mine of C&J. Let's go with that. Chris loves this band. I love him too. I know he's a big, big fan of this record. I, I do feel bad that it's actually 32, but that just shows you how strong this countdown is. And I came into this record quite a bit later. I was still doing that thing with this band where that third album turned me off so much that it took a few more years of chiseling away at me and Chris going, yeah, you should check this record out for me to really get back into this band. Cause that third album is pretty bad. It's, it's such a bad sellout. It's, it's not enough that they tried to sell out. They actually failed at doing it, <laughs> but still a killer band when they are playing punk rock music, pure punk rock music, talking about the suicide machines and they're on their fifth album here in 2003 called A Match and Some Gasoline. And it is definitely of the times. A lot of 9-11 fallout here, much like the Biohazard album earlier in the countdown. And 
They're a political band anyway, but not 100% political. They're not like anti-flag. They don't live and die by their politics, but it's definitely an important part of their identity. This one especially is one of those kind of records, but at the time, it's stuff that needed to be told. So yeah, I'm in support. Anytime a band like this, uh, they may have the ear of, of the youth of America out there. Somebody needs to tell them certain truths that maybe they're not being told by their teachers and their parents and stuff like that. And that's what any good music slash art will do for you. It's not telling you how to be. It's telling you that, hey, there's other thoughts out there. So maybe the ones you're being told are the right ones. Like when we find out years and years later that the stuff they teach in history class is not actually all the facts. There's facts in there, but there's a lot of skewing of the truth also as well. So yeah, I could go in circles with this, but let's get to the music here. Yes. Shut up and sing, damn it. Okay. But yes, Suicide Machines. This album here, nice and strong. A perfect return to form. If the fourth album steal this record was the, hey, we're so sorry kind of record, please come back. Then the fifth record here, Imagine Some Gasoline, really sent it home that the band is back and they have their brain back. So at this point, it's all good. So I mentioned that this was having a lot to do with current events in 03. We're at war and everything. And this one right here just kind of brings it home. So here is Suicide Machines with this real standout jam right here from Imagine Some Gasoline. This is Your Silence.
All right, Suicide Machines right there with Your Silence from Imagine Some Gasoline. Here's a fun fact about that record. That album was produced by a guy named Bill Stevenson. And this is one of those weird twists where I used to try to point out like, hey, I saw this band live. I, for some reason, have still never seen Suicide Machines live, and that's a mistake. I know that Chris saw them, I believe, on this tour, and I definitely should have gone with him to go see that. So that's a big regret for sure. The other thing is... I've actually seen the producer of this album live because the producer of this album is Bill Stevenson, who is the leader, drummer, main songwriter of The Descendants. So, yeah, I've seen him at least. That's something I can brag about. Uh, But, yeah, I need to make this happen. Suicide Machines, they're definitely still an active band, so I got to right this wrong at some point sooner than later. Okay, so the last entry tonight and coming at number 31 is this one and done record right here although just listening to this album on the surface i think some people would just be like "Ah, it does sound like the previous project and that's not an unfair assessment so let's get into it number 31 belongs to this band zvan or zwan as some people call them z-w-a-n and it was supposed to be billy corgan's new band in 2003 smashing pumpkins have broken up 2000 2001 broke my heart but course i was following his every move at this point and being like okay well what, what are you gonna do now man are you retired are you gonna still play rock and roll what are you doing and in 03 he put out this record zvon uh, the one good olive brand for hardcore pumpkins fans like me is that jimmy chamberlain was still on the drums playing with billy so that's a positive right there so they went and recruited basically some respected utility players from other credible alternative bands like slint Perfect Circle, stuff like that, like Paz, the bass player. She was in Perfect Circle. She's the current bass player of the Pixies, by the way, if you didn't know that. I mean, Kim Deal's been out of that band forever, and Paz has been the Kim of the band, basically, in a sense. And good for her. I know one of the other guitar players, the guy David Pajo, he was in Slint, and I kind of know a little bit about that band. I'm not sure where Matt Sweeney was from. I don't have it in front of me. But... Everybody sounds good on this record. I am assuming just because of the way they were talking while this album was being made and the interviews I read, I'm assuming that everybody actually plays their instrument on this record, unlike the Pumpkins albums where Billy plays all the guitars and bass for the most part. So I'm assuming this one is a band effort, despite the fact that Billy wrote all the songs solely with the exception of one or two, I believe. But at the time, I think I was still not totally accepting this band i remember the tour was very limited in dates so i never really got to have that moment with the record where i saw them live and perhaps the material would connect with me but i'm assuming in a perfect world and a perfect scenario with this particular band i would have been able to see them live because if i have it right billy basically broke the band up while they were on tour and i do remember specifically in an interview later on they kind of asked him well what happened And he basically said, I had to deal with a lot of drama in the pumpkins, dealing with drug addicts and people on heroin and stuff like that. And I thought by starting a new band, I wouldn't have to deal with that. But it was more of the same, this go around. He didn't name names, but that's pretty damning right there. And so for me, it did kind of take the luster out of this record. After a few listens, I, I don't really remember going back to it at all. I remember talking to Pumpkins fans over the years and they were saying how much they like this album. And now years later with some separation, Billy said it basically is the the lost Pumpkins album. It should have been the follow-up. 
So you can listen to it like that, and it probably sounds better. I did try to do that this time around with it. I will say, much like a handful of records on this countdown, I do enjoy it better now than I did then. And maybe that also had to do with the fact that I remember I talked about working at CD Warehouse a lot. I remember I worked with all Pumpkins and Billy haters, so they were just shitting on this record the whole time. So I basically just didn't push the issue. Sometimes you just got to pick your battles, right? Anyway, but yes, I do dig the record now. It's one of those things where like, eh, it'd be nice to have it on vinyl, but I, I don't know what's happening with it. I can tell you can't stream it. Uh, so thankfully I own a physical copy of the album, so I was able to do a nice sit down with it for this review. And it comes in here at number 31, a respectable entry. I will say this is probably a good time to update in case Chris is mad at me for putting Suicide Machines at 32. Basically, this section of the countdown, already like super high scores on the Rock and Rank scoring system, starting from the beginning of this episode, building up to the end of it, where we are right here, it goes from mid to late 80s out of 100. So they got Suicide Machines at about 88 and 88 for about this record. So everything's doing really well right now. So that just goes to show you once again how strong this countdown is. But we're at the tail end of this particular episode, and it's time to play a song from the number 31 album. So from the album Mary Star of the Sea, this is Vaughn with a real standout song just because of its basic nature. But I dig it. So here you go. This one's called Baby Let's Rock.
Good way to close off the show here for a show called Rock Strikes 10. That was Baby Let's Rock from Svan off of Mary Star of the Sea. Hope you enjoyed that. I do need to point out, I was talking about how good the album sounds. and Listen to that song again and just really remember, man, that album does sound great. You can hear how awesome Jimmy's drums are in the mix. and It's a full production. And I was like, man, who produced and engineered this? And obviously Billy is probably the guy that is the producer of pretty much every record he's ever been on. But I did see that the guy that's the engineer of the album, which is something to look for as well, is a guy named Bjorn Thorsrud, if I have that right, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And unfortunately, he actually passed away a couple of years ago, which really sucks because I was looking through his resume, his discography, and it looks like starting with the Adore record by the Pumpkins, he pretty much worked with Billy every time since since then, uh, all the way up until his passing. But he's got some crazy stuff on his resume right here. So just kind of looking around, it looks like he got credit for doing uh, programming for Shania Twain's Come On Over. And he like did Nelson's second album. <laughs> and, and since this is kind of in the news because of the documentary, he actually produced the Robin Fab record, the, the non-Milli Vanilli Robin Fab record as, as an engineer. So some interesting credits on here, but mostly just stuff that Billy worked on. But man, what an ear on that guy. That guy, his stuff sounds great. So yeah, there you go. Rest in peace, dude. You were, you were fucking awesome. For, for a guy that's a real nerd about production value, like my hat's off to him for sure. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to get into the top 30 here of this overall top 50 albums of 2003 Countdown. Hope you're enjoying it. Till then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at rockstrikes 10 and the direct email is rockstrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rockstrikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. 
The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.